Hey y'all, this is Charlie, and we are living, loving, laughing, and grace. Woo, yes, and guess what else? Guess what this podcast is? Do-do-do-do! This is my 100th podcast. Whoa! Oh, wow. That cause for celebrate celebration. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just cannot believe, uh, you know, his goodness is, is hard to believe because he's just so good and just so graceful. Uh, and I really can't believe that here we are already in our 100th episode of this podcast. And not only that, we're also celebrating our one year anniversary. Praise Jesus. If it wasn't for him, this this wouldn't even be possible. I wouldn't be alive. I wouldn't, you know, if it wasn't for his sacrifice, I wouldn't have anything worth sharing. And not only that, the Lord tells us that it is God who works in us. Philippians 2.13 says that it is God who works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. My friends, that takes all the stress off of us. That takes all the burden off of us. When we remind ourselves and remember, you know what? I'm not the one doing this thing. It's God working in me. God gives me the desires and God gives me the ability, whatever that is that you are uh, are working on in your life, my friends, whatever you're called to, whatever your ministry is, whatever you know, your job is your profession. You know, we all have a, you know, you have a job and you have a ministry of some sort, right? Uh, some are full-time, some are part-time, but we all have one. And, uh, you know, ministry is simply to minister to each other. And how do we do that? How do we live our lives? How do we, you know, enjoy the work that he gives us knowing that it is God who works in us. God gives us the ability and God even gives us the desire, my friends. And once we use the desire he gives us and the abilities he gives us, he then turns around and rewards us for using what he first gave us. That's the grace of God, my friends. So I am just beside myself. Uh, I know so many of you who are listening have been listening since the very first episode, you know, day one, episode one a year ago. Thank you so much to those of you who have found us along the way. Thank you. Uh, It's just a joy and a pleasure to get to come together. Amen. Come together and, and see our Jesus, see him high and lifted up, receive from him, celebrate him, celebrate everything he's done in our lives. And that is something else I'm especially excited about that our 100th episode also happens to be this, the episode that we are going to start our resurrection day series, where we get to celebrate the culmination of our savior's work here on this earth. Hallelujah. I love resurrection day, resurrection Sunday, that, that day we do my friends, y'all know, (laughs) if you listen to me, you know, I love Christmas, but you know, Jesus could have He could have come to this earth. He could have lived a perfect life and ascended back into heaven. He did not have to die because death is a penalty for sinners. Death is a penalty for those who sin. And Christ had no sin. In him was no sin. He did no sin. He felt no sin. So he could have lived a perfect life and gone right back into heaven. And we would all still be condemned and dead in our trespasses but he didn't, my friends, it's Resurrection Sunday that makes all the difference for us because Jesus made the choice. He chose to lay down his life. He chose to become sin on our behalf so that we get to become the righteousness of God and we get to live in the brand new life that he came to give us. 
Hallelujah. We now have right standing with our heavenly father forever. We live on favor ground. We live on grace ground at peace with God almighty. And we are now something we never were before. Before we were sinners. Now we're the righteousness of God. Before we were dead in our trespasses. Now we're alive. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, your old man has passed away. Behold, you are a new creation and you are now a child of God, my friends. And 1 John, he tells us, behold the wonder, the wonder that we should be called children of God. And that, my friends, is Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. And there is so much goodness to what our Savior has done for us that we are a couple weeks out, right? We're a few weeks out from Resurrection Sunday, but we're going to start looking into everything that he did for us now. We want to start preparing and enjoying everything that God came to give us. In Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, say the power, the power of God. What is the power of God? The gospel of Christ. My friends, the power of God is the gospel of Christ. That's why we can't hear it enough. We can't talk about it enough. We can't think on it enough. We can't read about it enough because it is the power of God to salvation, to salvation, my friends, for everyone who believes, for everyone who believes. I don't care what your nationality is. I don't care what your color is. I don't care who your mama or your daddy is. I don't care what you did or didn't do. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. The grace of our God for the Jew first. Jesus came as a Jew, my friends. He came as a Jew. We need to pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters, my friends, that they would receive Jesus Christ as their Messiah. He came to them first. And it is only because they rejected him that we got the chance. We got the opportunity. But God in his wisdom foresaw that. He used their rejection of their own Messiah so that he would have the opportunity to turn and embrace the Gentile world. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And God has done that. These last 2,000 years, Jesus has been embracing us. And actually, you were a Jew or you were a Gentile, but once you accept Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. My friends, God only sees three groups of people on this earth. Only three. You're either a Jew, you're not a Jew, or you're a child of God. Amen? Think about all the things we would stop arguing about, we wouldn't be prideful about, we would just let go. I mean, my friend, when we get to heaven, the only part of our identity that's going to matter is, are you a child of God? We don't even know what we're going to be like when we get in heaven. John says, we, we are yet in 1 John, it is yet to be seen what we shall be like when we behold Jesus and we'll be fully transformed. Our bodies will be fully raptured and transformed into their perfect state. But the one thing that we do know is that we will be children of God. My friend, it won't matter what country you came from. It won't, it won't matter your ethnicity. The one thing that will matter it won't matter if you were poor or you were rich or you were or middle class. The one thing that's going to matter is, are you a child of God? Jesus came to receive brethren, brothers and sisters. He came to, to establish the family of God. 
So back to Romans 1.16. Woo, Jesus, you're so good. You know, he wanted, you know, like we can be selfish. I can't, I can't get off this. We can be selfish and want to keep everything, you know, that we have to ourselves. But, but Jesus loves us so much. He wants to share all of his inheritance with us. And that's what he did, my friends. He died and, and made us partakers of his inheritance. That's how we can claim today that just as Christ is, so am I in this world, in this world. It's everything he did as he was, as he was working his way towards the cross, everything he did when he laid down his life at the cross that has made it possible for us to say that just as Christ is, so am I in this world. And, and back to Romans uh, chapter one, verse 16 where it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, not for everyone who works, not for everyone who serves, not for everyone who tries hard enough, for everyone who believes, my friend. If we could work or serve or try hard enough to receive salvation from God, then Jesus Christ didn't need to come and suffer a cruel, cruel death to give it to us. Today, our only work is to believe in the one whom God sent. And this word salvation, my friend, it is all encompassing. And this is the sort of the crux of our message today. This word salvation does not simply mean salvation to eternity. That's the first. Yes, that is the first and most important definition, right? We got to make sure we know where we're going to spend eternity. We want to spend eternity in heaven with a loving heavenly father who loved us so much. He gave up his very best for us. We don't want to be parted from that for all eternity. That's what hell is, my friends. Hell is being eternally separated from your creator, from your heavenly father, your daddy, your savior. Hell is being in a place where the devil has absolute control. Anything in your life right now you don't like, is a result of what the devil brought into this world. Imagine what it's like in a place where he's in control because he's not in complete control of this earth. This earth is a middle ground. It's a battleground. Heaven is what it looks like when God is completely in control. Hell is what it looks like when the devil is completely in control. And earth is what it looks like when man gave up what God gave him and God is fighting on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. So it's salvation first. First and foremost, we want eternal salvation, but this word also means healing, wholeness, peace in your mind, your body, your relationships. It means completeness. My friends, the word salvation is all encompassing, all encompassing. He's telling us that the way we get salvation for anything and everything in our life that we need is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the good news of Jesus, through everything that he has done for us, my friends. And we're going to look into that because the thing about it is, I think that most of us understand that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we receive salvation. But like we just said, that's just the starting point. God has given us so much more. Jesus has given us so much more than that. 
again and again. The New Testament talks about living the victorious life, the overcoming life, the life full of peace and joy and excellence and length of days and all of these incredible things. And where did we get those from? We got them from the work that Jesus did at the cross. And we simply believe in it. We simply believe in it. But as Jesus said, my friends, you know, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. The truth is that Jesus Christ has already died and taken the sins and the punishment for absolutely every person on this earth right now. That's the truth. But there are many people who don't know it. So they've not yet been set free. That's why we got to share it, my friends. Time is running short. Time is running short. We have got to share the truth that sets people free. Amen. Amen. So in our series that we're doing leading up to Resurrection Day, we're going to look at some of the, the other things that Jesus did for us so that we can start cashing in on the fullness of the gospel that the fullness of the salvation that he came to give us, my friends, you know, that's how you honor someone. If somebody, if somebody buys something for you, if somebody pays for something for you, and then, and then they tell you about it and, and you never, let, let's say, you know, they, they bought you, they paid for a car. They paid for you to have a brand new car and they even show up at your house and give you the keys. And you say, why would you do this? You know, I don't understand why you would buy me a brand new car. And I say, well, I heard that your old car broke down and it's just junk and it won't, it's in the junkyard and that you needed a car, right? Because that's what we all were before Jesus. We were broke down junk. <laughs> the more we can recognize what kind of broke down junk we were without Christ, the more we will receive of his goodness, my friends. So someone shows up and says, hey, I bought you this, this brand new car. Here's the keys. It's sitting at the lot. They're waiting for you. You know, um, you just got to go pick it up. But then, but then you think to yourself, I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe that they, that they did that. And so you never go get it. So your friend paid for it. They already paid for it. They made the sacrifice. They, they gave up their own money. They paid for it. It's sitting there, but you never go get it. How do you think that would make your friend feel? My friends, Jesus has paid for so much for us. And he's not waiting for us to get our act together. My friends, we can't get our act together without him. He's not waiting for this in our life, for that for our life. He has paid for us to receive absolutely every bit of the salvation that he offers, the wholeness, the perfection, the completeness, the health, the strength the peace, the joy, and all we have to do is receive it. And how did he do this, my friends? This is part of the great transfer that happened at the cross. First, we know that Jesus, as we already mentioned, Jesus became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Sorry, again, it says, for he made him who knew no sin. So God made Christ who knew no sin to become sin for us. How did Jesus become sin? Did he do sin? No, he became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So how do we become righteous? By doing righteousness? No, 
Jesus didn't become sin by doing sin, then his sacrifice wouldn't, wouldn't have availed for any of us. He was perfect, pure. He never committed a sin, but at the cross, he became sin. And because he became sin, when he was perfect and spotless, we who are completely black and dead in our sins have become the righteousness of God. The Bible says we were in the domain of darkness. We have now been redeemed into his marvelous light. Jesus paid the cost to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light, my friends. And remember, sometimes you may stumble. Sometimes you may fall, but you're now in the kingdom of light. Yeah, sure, you might still trip, but the light's still on. You're still in the kingdom of light. You might say something you shouldn't, but you're still in the kingdom of light. And it's when we remember that, that's right, I am still in the kingdom of light. I am still, I'm still saved. I'm still redeemed. My father still loves me. Jesus, thank you that you paid for that. That is what will empower us to get up out of that, my friends. Not sitting there and beating ourselves up begging for a forgiveness that we already have because of the work of Jesus Christ. Begging for forgiveness does not give you forgiveness. The work of Jesus Christ gives you forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ gives you forgiveness, my friends. We simply receive it. We receive the work that is already done. So we know that there was a transfer of our sin onto Jesus and a transfer of his righteousness to us. That righteousness gives us the, the right to stand before God. My friends, you can't do that if you have any sin on you. We now have the right to stand before God. We are one with him. We have been seated in Christ. And listen to this too. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So he became our sin and he also became our curse. Jesus became our curse. And how did he do that? It says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. My friends, you know, that's why Jesus was crucified. He was not crucified to bring us the new covenant. He brought us the new covenant through the shedding of his blood. He even stated that himself uh, when he, when he gave us, when he himself first gave us the Lord's supper, that great, great grace gift of his on his, on when he celebrated the Passover with his disciples, the last night before he was betrayed, he said, take this, this is the blood, the, 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 the blood that is shed for you for the new covenant. His blood being shed is what give us the new covenant, my friends. But he didn't have to be crucified. Do you know that the capital form of punishment in, in, the, in, that, in Jesus' day for the Jews was stoning? And you might think that that sounds more cruel, but actually it's a much quicker death, a much quicker, less painful death than crucifixion. Crucifixion was intentionally designed to maximize the suffering and pain to its victims. And the Jews, the, the Jewish leaders, they, they resented the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews. You know, the, the Romans were allowing the Jews to sort of run their own government in sort of a puppet fashion. And that's why the Jewish leaders resented the Romans. And so they usually didn't have 
dealings with, with each other. But the, but the Jewish leaders, when they decided to crucify Jesus, they didn't even realize that they were fulfilling Bible prophecy and they were fulfilling what, what the Lord had designed to be done when they took Jesus. See, in their day, only the Romans were allowed to crucify anyone. The Jewish people didn't have that right. They could stone people, but they weren't allowed to crucify. That is why they took Jesus to Pontius Pilate because they wanted him crucified, something they never did. Those two groups of people hated each other. So if Jesus could have brought us the new covenant and forgiveness of sins and righteousness from God by being stoned to death, and believe me, plenty of blood would have been shed. Why this route of crucifixion? Because what if it... Because of what it says right here, that cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. By being crucified, Jesus took our curse. He became the curse that we all deserve so that we receive his blessing. My friends, there is nothing that Jesus has left undone. It goes on to say that he did this so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. My friend, you know, Abraham didn't receive the promise through works. He lived several hundred years before the law was even given. He received the promise by simply believing. He believed in God. He believed in Jesus Christ to come and that Jesus Christ would be his sacrifice and God reckoned it to him for righteousness. And it says that the same blessing that Abraham received, the gift of righteousness, the gift of the spirit, my friends, the gift of the Holy Spirit living in you, we have received that blessing because at the cross, Jesus became a curse for us. You can also look in Deuteronomy 28 and see it very written very clearly what the blessing is and what the cursing is. My friend, every kind of physical ailment, sickness, disease, pain is all listed as part of the curse. And Jesus became a curse to take all of that for us. Poverty is listed there. A relationship, strife in the home, parents losing their, their children, like losing your children to gangs or to, to drugs or to alcohol, losing your spouse to, to someone else, to adultery. You know, all any of the problems that we can think about that we face today are listed in the curse. And Jesus Christ became a curse at the cross so that we can become blessed. And in the blessing, first, of course, we get right standing with God, peace with God. He blesses you when you're coming in your home and he blesses you when you're going out. You're blessed in the country and you're blessed in the city. Saying what? You're blessed no matter where, no matter where you go. You're blessed no matter what you do. It says your kneading bowl shall be full, my friends. Talking about your income, your banks shall be, your barns shall be full. You know, whatever you set your hand to will prosper. You know, you shall multiply all these beautiful beautiful blessings that are in there we receive because Jesus became a curse for us. He became a curse so that we could become blessed. I listen to this uh, in Hebrews 9 verses 11 through 15. 
I want to close up with this to bring out the value of this blood of our Savior. It has such a redeeming quality to it that whatever his blood touches is redeemed. His blood is so powerful. It's so pure. It's so spotless. In Hebrews 9 verse 11, it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Say the good things. Why did Christ come? He came as he came as the high priest of the good things to come. My friends, Jesus Christ came to bring the goodness of God into your life. The devil deceives us. He's the one that deceives us and makes us think that life with, with Christ is, is burdensome and heavy and, and um and there's so you know there's more trials and, and, and it's hard. And it's the exact opposite of what Jesus himself said. Come to me, you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon me upon you learn from me for my ways are easy and my burden is light my friends that's the christian life our burden is light and easy because jesus christ already bore the heavy burden on himself see where the burden belongs it belongs on jesus my friends he already took it for us so it says that he came to bring us the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation so he's comparing the old tabernacle and the old covenant that was actually made with physical hands the physical tabernacle where the presence of god would dwell and the priests of those days right that that served to bring the sacrifices before god so that to atone for the people's sins you know that's why they had to bring the goats and the sheep and the and the um and the bulls to to make atonement for sins there had to be a blood sacrifice but of course none of that could perfectly wash away sins it was like a covering over until the messiah would come and so he's saying the high priest the true high priest has now come to bring good things with greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood say with his own blood with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all say once for all once for all having obtained eternal redemption my friend jesus christ has once and for all obtained your eternal redemption how long do you think eternal lasts eternal lasts forever and it was done with the blood of jesus christ how long do you believe his blood lasts his blood is eternal that's how he brings us an eternal redemption redemption means again to be bought back to be bought out of right we were all sold as slaves the bible says into into the kingdom of darkness into sin once adam sinned against god my friends you became a sinner you sin because you're a sinner it's in your blood you can't help it right it doesn't excuse it 
Just saying that from the time you're born, you are a sinner. Now check this out. Sometimes, even as a sinner, before you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may have done some good things, right? Maybe every now and then you donated some money to a charity. Maybe you helped somebody out. Maybe you, you did something that was good. But the problem is you're still a sinner. So it doesn't matter. You're still going to hell. You're still cut off from God. He cannot hear your prayers. He cannot turn his face on you because you're still a sinner. Likewise, once you have been bought out of that with the blood of Jesus Christ, once you are no longer a sinner, but remember you have become the righteousness of God. You have become, you are a new creation. You're no longer that sinner. You're the righteousness of God. You're bought out of that. You're in the domain of his light. So now that you have become the righteousness of God, now that you have become a new creation in Christ, now that the old things have passed away and you're in the kingdom of light, why do you think when you do something wrong that it can make you a sinner again? It can't, my friends. You didn't get to this position through your own actions. You got here through the eternal blood of Jesus Christ. But knowing that the old, those old things will continue to pass away. My friends, as you continue to look to Jesus, the Bible says that as we look to Jesus, we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. You just keep beholding Jesus as you are right now. And he, his spirit at work in you will continue to transform you into his likeness, my friend. Don't you worry about it. You just keep looking to your Jesus. And when it's time, he will, one day he will point it out to you. Hey, hey, remember what life was like back when? And all of a sudden you'll look back and say, wow, look how far you've brought me, Lord. Wow, look where I am. By his blood, my friends, by his blood. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Remember, we always say with our God, it's always about the how much more. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. My friends, Jesus had not even a spot, not even a speckle, not even one teeny tiny little dot of sin, of darkness. Not a spot. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. My friend, our consciences are clean. They are meant to be clean. When you see that you have been purified by the perfect eternal blood of Jesus Christ himself and by what? Through the eternal spirit. Do you know this word eternal, eternal spirit? Do you, do you believe that the Holy Spirit lives forever? Of course, he's the spirit of God. He lives forever. 
Well, the same word eternal used to describe the spirit is the same word eternal used to describe your redemption. My friend, your redemption is solid. The solid rock of Jesus Christ. So he's saying that his blood has cleansed your conscience. And because he has cleansed your conscience, you no longer serve in dead works. You know what dead works are? Dead works are when you are serving God, trying to get forgiveness. You're trying to get his favor. You're trying to get his goodness. God calls that a dead work because you're using your own human effort to try and get from him what Jesus Christ already paid to give to you. And when we, that's what he's saying. When you see that, that your conscience has already been made clean, you don't have to try and get forgiven. You are forgiven, my friend. Your conscience is washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you can serve the Lord with living works. Living works are like this right now. I am so in awe. I am so overwhelmed by the love of God that I just want to share that with everyone I know. It's the overflow, my friends. We can do the same two actions with the wrong motive. One is to get something from God. One is because of everything we have from God. When we're recognizing all that he's done for us. When you allow him to fill you up with his love. When you're resting in that place of knowing I am eternally forgiven. I am eternally saved. I am eternally redeemed. That produces living works. Hallelujah 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 and you know what my friends you know we're just tasting the tip of the iceberg so you're gonna have to come back so that we can get into some more of god's goodness for us hallelujah this was so good i don't even know how to wrap it up so we're just we're just gonna do that thank you daddy god for all of your goodness to us thank you jesus that you you chose to lay down your life that you spilled you gave up your perfect spotless blood to give us eternal redemption and that you didn't stop there. You didn't stop at giving us the new covenant. You didn't stop at giving us forgiveness of sins. You went even further to take our curse upon you so that we can be blessed. We receive that blessing now, Father. We receive the blessing your son paid for. We receive all the blessing of Abraham and the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. We receive all of your goodness, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts to let you do for us as you desire, as your son has paid for. Let us receive all that you have for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare amen and amen. All right, my friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And until next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.